Hello, I'm Dr. Tracy Hogan. As a licensed counselor, it's been my privilege to help people climb the ladder of happiness for more than 25 years. I'll help you find that sweet spot between the best of psychology and the best of spirituality. Are you ready? Let's climb this happiness ladder. In my last podcast, part one, I gave you an example of three huge problems that I had four years ago. I told you how my inspiration from God to solve these problems was to apply the Book of Mormon to myself. And I told you how the windows of heaven did open for me and I got my house and I got my husband. Looking back on these first two problems, it seemed like it took forever, but it was only about four months to get the house and about two years to get the husband. Those solutions certainly felt like tender mercies from my loving Heavenly Father. But I caution you, everyone's trials are unique. These were my two answers in God's timing. I know of wonderful, incredible people who appear to be doing everything right, who search for years for a spouse, and they're still single. And their answer has been peace. Everyone is entitled to their own answers and their own path. This was just mine. So on my third problem, losing weight, uh, losing weight and keeping it off has been an extremely stubborn trial in my life, causing a lot of heartache from age 17 to now, age 67. And along with the affliction of being overweight, perhaps the worst part is the blindingly cruel and painful negative thinking and the resultant low self-esteem. That's the bigger part of the problem. Let's analyze the aspect of the negative thinking. Pat T. Holland said that Satan is staging a full-blown blitz on women. Every time there's an image on social media or any screen that tells me I'm not good enough, and I think about how I've been trying to get thin, I feel like a failure. I hope you can tolerate a little imagery here. It's like the media or the world is this exclusive modern condo tower. And people are out on their balconies pointing at me, making fun of me, calling me fat. These beautiful people are telling me only thin women are valuable. No matter how hard I try, I'm not thin enough. Hence, I'm hopeless and worthless. But on the other side is a single enormous tree with white and delicious fruit. That fruit, that tree, stands for the love of God. People who love me are trying to coax me to come eat the white, delicious fruit, feel what it's like to stop my negative thinking, my shame thinking, and feel what it's like to be accepted the way Jesus Christ loves and accepts me. Jesus went about doing good. He loves me when I try to be like him because I make good choices and I do good things and to love others as I love myself. But getting all of that has just been a constant struggle for me. This full-blown blitz on women has two parts. A, Satan, talking through all the screens of the world, tells me in a myriad of ways every single day, we are nothing if we're not skinny enough, aren't sexy enough. And when we believe we're never enough, our self-esteem goes in the toilet. And B, Satan, talking through the screens of the world, tells us that we can eat that chocolate bar, we can cheat, it won't count, and the snack hack won't have consequences. 
which of course leads to gaining weight, then depression, and low self-esteem. I've told you about her before, but I have a name for this part of me that believes I can scam the calories. I can hack the snack system and get away with it. In another podcast, you met Ostahoga. That's Norwegian for cheese hog. My ancestors, Helga Knud's daughter and Eric Hogan, lived in Norway in the 1800s. There are a lot of amazing Norwegians. Helga Knud's daughter for raising kids and cows on those high, steep mountainsides they called fjords. And Leif, the amazing explorer. Thor, the amazing looking, but not Ostahoga. She's not amazing. She tells me snacks don't have any consequences. She's just a cheater eater. We had crumble cookies at our team meeting at work. You know, those humongous, soft, chocolatey, real butter and refined sugar death disguised as nutrition. I had been strong during lunch and passed the cookie box. But later that day, as I passed the leftover crumble cookies in the break room, I tried to avert my eyes. I'm heading to the fridge for the soda water. Ostahoga saw that cosmic brownie cookie with the little sprinkle stars sitting there in its lovely pink box. She makes my hand veer towards the box. I say, no, Osta, I'm giving up sugar for a whole year. She says, oh, nai, nai. Oh, look, someone has cut them into tiny pieces. There could only be 25 calories in that itty-bitty slice. It won't hurt you to eat some cookie perfection. So I eat one tiny slice. Then on my next break, that last client was so draining. You need some energy. You had a salad for the lunch. That was the healthy. You work so hard. Now you deserve more cookie. So I eat two more slices. At 8.15 that night, when my day is done, I've eaten so many slices, it totals three cookies. Yep, 560 calories times three, 1,680 calories. That's my entire day of calories. I'm going to be fat forever. Therefore, I am weak. I am ugly. Therefore, I have no self-control. Therefore, I'm worthless. Yes, I have 25 years experience as a counselor. I know those are horrific thoughts that I should not be thinking. I need to get my mind right before my body will cooperate. In part one, I told you how on September 11th, 2019, I was reading a quote by Russell M. Nelson about how the windows of heaven would open and I'd get answers to my biggest problems if I would apply the Book of Mormon to myself. So daily, I was highlighting, putting my name in, typing how that scripture applied to me and to my problem with weight. I found over a hundred scriptures that applied to my goal of self-control, like this one in Alma 38 verse 12. Bridle your passions. Oh my goodness, Tracy, bridle your passions. That means control your emotional eater and stick to your goal of 1,800 calories a day. Tracy, don't listen to Osta when she whispers, you can bake that chocolate cheesecake for the oldest daughter birthday cake. You will only take two bites. 
but I say I could just buy her a slice of chocolate cheesecake so I don't eat any myself. And she says, oh, nai nai, this is the words of wisdom. Wheat is for the man, chocolate is for the woman. At night, my husband and I were binge watching our favorite detective series. I just have to have a personal charcuterie party and set out delectable wheat thins and gouda cheese. That puts me 700 calories over my goal. I know I should not do it, but I can't seem to stop myself. I had the impression the next morning to throw away all the cheese. I convinced my lactose intolerant husband to do it. He hates my yummy cheese and he knows I'm not strong enough, so he will do it. He's got the garbage can by the fridge. He's holding a package above the garbage can. Oh, Sahoga screams, Oh, nai nai, not does this cheese. It's the Sunday cheese. It's holy. Besides, that won't hurt you. There are no calories in the holes. He puts out another and tries to get it into the garbage can. Oster grabs his hand. Oh, nai nai, not the good cheese. It is too good to be true. This time he actually gets a cheese into the can. Like lightning, Oster snatches the cheese out of the can. Oh, nai nai, the Jarlsberg cheese we call the Viking Viagra. You can eat this. It's lactose-free. There are two reasons you don't want to throw this one away. I have over a hundred pages saved in my file on my computer where I found a great scripture and applied it to myself. My strategy to apply the Book of Mormon scriptures to myself was changing my thinking. It was wonderful to see God's Word in a new and personal way. And for two years, my thinking is morphing and maybe changing my beliefs. But changing my beliefs wasn't enough to change my behavior because I wasn't strong enough to control the reins of the bucking bronco. It worked for a while, and then I would crash and gain back the weight. Bridling my passions for snacks was so difficult with Osta. I tried so many apps and commercial diet plans. I was logging my calories in my fitness pal. Then my son told me about an app called Zero, which is intermittent fasting. I felt impressed to stop eating at 8 p.m. and not eat until noon the next day so my body could burn the calories when I wasn't eating. Unfortunately, my husband Mac and I discovered a Pepperidge Farm cookie outlet. I knew there were cookies that were rejects or seconds, bags of Milano chocolate cookies for only $2.33 a pound. My frontal cortex, the logical part of my brain, said, You better sit in this truck while Mac buys those cookies. You better not go in there. Oh, nai nai. You must listen to the Ostahoga. You can buy the cookies. You are strong. You won't actually eat them. Why did I pick up a Milano bag and read the description? rich dark chocolate, and refreshing mint hidden between delicate cookies. Osta wants her feelings of emptiness assuaged by that chocolate. Osta begs, Mud Meg, Mud Meg, translated, that means feed me, feed me. It's only 11 in the morning. I've got an hour to go. 
I turned my back on the register so I would not see Mac buy a three-pound bag of cookie seconds. I told myself, when I get in the truck, I will not eat those cookies. I will be strong. Mac knows I'm in trouble when he sees my face. He runs to our pickup and quickly stows the cookies under the back seat. I buckle myself in to restrain myself and prepare. Don't reach back. Don't reach back. There are no chocolate cookies in this truck. Oh, nay, nay. One little cookie won't hurt you. So I reach back, get the bag. Wow, this is so good. Oh, the chocolate and amaretto ones are daiilig, which means in Norwegian, delicious. I tie the bag back up. I place it in the back seat. She exclaims, There could only be ten calories in one skinny cookie. Look at that bag. The only barrier between you and the chocolate bliss is a flimsy twisty tie. I can't decide whether I like the mint chocolate or the amaretto chocolate ones the best. So I eat two more. My brain, my reasoning, my frontal cortex is hijacked. And this is how addiction to chocolate and instant gratification works. When I'm not chewing one, I'm thinking about chewing another one. As the sugar high kicks in, I've got to have another one. At home, the cookies are sitting on the island while we put the groceries away. I eat two more. Now I beg, Mac, please hide these cookies where I won't find them. We eat some healthy lunch. Osa says, We could eat the cookies for the dessert. I say, I don't need dessert. Look at this arm. There are 3,000 cookies on this arm. Whatever happened to don't start eating until noon? I feel sick. I feel so wretched. I try to access my frontal cortex with logic. Nutrition facts. One cookie is 65 calories and 8 grams of carbs. My brain screams at me to pick up my phone and log the cookies on my fitness pal. Maybe that will shock me into consciousness and I'll stop. But Mac has not hidden the cookies yet and the dam of self-restraint has burst and all the backed up longing gushes forth. Osa says, Oh, nay, nay, you can record the calories later. Let's load the cookies into this tin. Look at the ones that are missing the top half. The naked chocolate is showing. What a treasure. Look, there's another one. And my choco-feeding frenzy continues. Twelve cookies are 780 calories. There may have been more. Osta disconnected my brain and I could not count. My goal is only 1,500 calories a day. That means I only have 700 calories left for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm so weak and messed up. How can I have such little control when I've been applying myself in the Book of Mormon and praying about this problem for a whole year? I feel so ashamed. My 12-step program for addiction to chocolate has turned out to be never more than 12 steps from chocolate. I pray, Heavenly Father, please, please give me strength. I need to be better at obeying the spirit that tells me to stop eating. If I want to be more like Christ, I need self-control. 
Am I making any progress? Am I even a tiny bit slower to relapse? Am I getting better at repenting? What is wrong with me? In the strength of the Lord, I know I can do all things, but why can't I do this? Finally, in August 2021, my daughter and I went to BYU Education Week to get answers. You know, you drive two hours, you pay for housing in the boys' dorm, and sleep on the worst mattress in history with a blanket so thin and ratty it was used in the trenches in World War I. You get up at dark 30 and you walk over the campus to find some of the brightest minds in Mormondom just so you can get inspiration. And on the very last of the five days, there it was, the idea I desperately needed. This religion professor said that when she needed help from God, she set a timer for 30 minutes for her Book of Mormon scripture study. So my meaningful inspiration number two, 30-minute scripture study. My husband and I started setting our timer on our phone in September of 2021. We tried to study in the evenings, but they're too chaotic with projects and grandchildren having soccer games and just too many things interfering. Spotty scripture study at best. We decided we had to do first thing in the morning. But 30 minutes first thing in the morning is hard. There's a million things to do, and it seems like a big sacrifice. And things started to be different. First, I noticed I started getting inspiration about 5.30 in the morning, a lot more than I usually got when my mind was really quiet. Just good ideas that made sense and felt right. There were inspirations about how to get more healthy and lose weight, but also a lot of inspiration about other problems, for instance, what to do with the rest of our lives. Our children were all raised. We'd been praying, Lord, what's next? Going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was an option. Many retired couples sell their homes and go to a foreign country and serve as full-time service missionaries, helping the local leadership with teaching English or helping people find jobs or whatever is needed. Then some of our friends were serving from their homes as addiction recovery service missionaries or volunteering in the prison to hold services. Hmm... We even knew of a chemical engineer that was leading the canning of the beans in the bean factory. But at that same education week in a class called 10 Myths on Senior Missionaries, we heard there are more senior missionaries serving from their homes in North Cache County, where we live, than all of Europe. So the market here was saturated. We weren't needed in Logan, Utah. Hmm. Where to use our talents? Where to use my husband's pilot experience and my experience as a licensed counselor? Well, North Cache County is bitterly cold in the winter. Could we find a warm place to serve in the winter? And do our missions online somehow? We found these things called air parks. They're communities where you have an airstrip for your plane, a garage for your car, and a hangar for your airplane. Your driveway is your street and also a taxiway. Because most people drive a golf cart in these air parks, you open your hangar and they stop in their golf cart and talk for two hours. They have parties they call fly-ins. Your neighbor fixes your plane. The ladies who still aren't flying for American Airlines get together once a week and make flower arrangements for the nursing home. It was a perfect place to get to know our neighbors and love them. 
these morning inspirations led us to the Cannon Creek Air Park in Florida, where we feel needed. We go there six months a year. My husband works as a Pathways missionary, which is an extremely low-cost college education, and I was asked by my church leader to get my Florida counseling license so I can help people who are members of my church there. I can see a majority of my clients on Zoom in both states, and I donate the proceeds of my counseling money to a friend who organizes education for the untouchables. That's the lowest caste in Nepal, because they are not allowed in the public schools. Also, I found this medium of podcasting so I can reach out and help people with depression and other problems. It's been consuming. My mind just started being full of how can I help more people? How can I help them out of depression with the six steps of happiness? How can I help them blend the best of psychology and the best of spirituality in the areas of health, growth, God, gratitude, connection, and charity? I get really excited about using the gifts God's given me and my 30 years of experience to help people in my podcasts. A wonderful thing started happening with negative thoughts. On September 11th, 2019, I set out to solve the problem of losing weight by applying myself in the Book of Mormon. Uh, Two years later, in September of 21, I started setting a timer to study for 30 minutes. And pretty soon, it felt like I'm so done with counting my calories and focusing so many of my thoughts on weight. It's almost like I'm obsessed with weight loss. I need a better way to handle my negative thinking quickly and move on to thinking about more important things. So the next milestone that really helped me was number three, focus on one inspired goal. Did you know that the average person has between 12 and 60,000 thoughts a day? And guess how many of those thoughts are negative? 80%. A lot of negative thoughts for men are usually about making more money, feeling like they're never good enough, where women are more likely to think about they're never pretty enough. Think of a train track, a figure eight. On the left are the negative thoughts. 80% of the time, our brain circles and circles around that negative track. In this case, thinking, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm over my calorie allotment for the day. Oh dear, how do I have the neighbors over for dinner and pass on the dessert? Nobody will love me unless I'm thin. In so many ways, just forgetting the Savior and focusing on our worries. Stop the train. How do I do that? Well, every Sunday when I take the sacrament at church, I make a promise. I promise that I will remember the Savior always. The Savior is the key to throwing the switch on the brain train figure eight and getting it over to the right side, the light side. Jesus is always the answer. If I think the thought, no, my one inspired goal for today is to focus on no snacks after dinner. Jesus Christ loves me and wants to help me love myself and love others. Then the brain train switches to the right side the light side, that is, remembering the Savior. Thoughts with, who can I serve today? What am I thankful for? How can I make that problem better? It's all the positive thinking. I had a client come in who was having a hard time with his ex-wife. Now, you know, I'm going to disguise this to protect his identity. Just the important bits are true. After a two-year brutal divorce, 
she went back to court to try and sue him because she didn't like him telling his side of the marriage to the children. Because of the delicate nature of his business, suing him would have destroyed his career. His brain train was stuck on the left side, worrying about the risk, ruminating over and over on all the terrible things she'd done, and this new absolutely idiotic, ridiculous, and unfair lawsuit. He had gone to his attorney and his church leader and asked if he should try to protect himself legally. Of course, his attorney said yes, she had no grounds for that lawsuit, countersue. His bishop said no. His bishop had noticed how he and his new wife were happy and in love. His bishop told him, don't let the old marriage poison the new one. I advise you to drop it. He came to see me. I've tried to drop it, Tracy, but I can't sleep because my brain won't shut off. I'm too upset to eat. How do I move on and forget? So I made the circle eight on the paper and we wrote all these horrible and negative things on the left side of the figure eight. I said, you already know the answer. I'm just going to help you feel peaceful enough to hear God's voice. What is one tiny goal, just one step to help you switch over to the right side, the positive side of the figure eight? He was quiet for a few minutes. He said, the strongest thing I'm feeling is to drop it and focus on my new marriage. Don't poison it. I said, I knew you'd been getting inspiration. That means you stop talking about your ex and the lawsuit and if you start thinking about it, just switch back to the positive with the thought, my one inspired goal is to drop it so I don't poison my new marriage. What do we write for the positive thoughts on the right side, I said. He said that my new wife and I have a great life together. I'm more funny and affectionate than I've ever been. She's crazy about me. We do things to follow the Savior. We're serving together for the church at the homeless shelter. My career is more fulfilling than ever. And we really enjoy our blended family. Wow, I said, you don't want to ruin that. It worked. He was able to use that one goal like a switch, switching the brain train to the positive track. The lawsuit turned out to be just a threat from a vindictive and poisonous person. When he didn't fan the flames, it petered out and died. So, remember my inspirations to solve my biggest problems. Yours will be different. But mine were, number one, apply the Book of Mormon to myself. Number two, read the Book of Mormon for 30 minutes a day. And number three, focus on just one inspired goal. If you know of anyone who can benefit from this podcast, please press that share button. Until next time, live like his son, help others on their way. Bye.